Today is Prayer Sunday, and uh, why a Prayer Sunday? Well, we take communion on a regular basis to remind us of the sacrificial death of Jesus for our sins and his resurrection to eternal life, to intercede for us and restore our relationship with God through prayer. We do that on a very regular basis. It's good, I think, therefore, to remind ourselves from time to time of the vital part that prayer plays in our relationship with God. It's our communication channel both with and from God. And without that, we'd be a pretty ordinary bunch of people, wouldn't we? Because we wouldn't be that different to anybody else who meets on a regular basis. It's that unique channel of communication that we have with God which separates us from the ordinary and from those who don't know God. We're reminded many times in the Bible about prayer from the Old Testament right through to the New. And it is good that we should remind ourselves, as I've said, from time to time. And what better time, I think, when, than when spring is bursting out in the hedgerows and in our gardens. I don't know about you, but our garden has lots of spring flowers starting to show through. Crocuses, grape hyacinths, and those little tater-tate daffodils that look so nice when they're in little clumps together. We've got lots of those coming through. Put them in last year and prayed over them, thinking they're hoping they would multiply. And praise God they have, and we've got lots of them coming out, bringing colour and life to what was a pretty dull brown patch of earth. Perhaps some of us, as that dull brown patch of earth, have been a bit sad and depressed over winter with its short days and long nights. I certainly know one individual who has a real problem with winter, and I'm sure there are others as well, who are so glad when winter's out of the way and the sun starts to shine and the little buds start to come on the hedgerows. Perhaps we need spring to come into our lives with a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit. Today is a day when we can do that as we kick-start perhaps our prayer life again. If you don't need the kickstart, that's great. Then you can help enthuse those of us who need it. Perhaps one of the best known reminders about how prayer moves God's heart is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, where we are told, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Do we want our sins forgiven? Do we want our land to be healed? I would hope the answer to both those questions would be a resounding yes. Thank you. But are we prepared to humble ourselves before God? Are we prepared to seek his face and turn from our wicked ways? And whether you like it or not, we've all got wicked ways. You may not call them wicked ways. You may think it's just a little blip in your life experience. But it's before God, it's a wicked way, whatever way you want to dress it up. And we need to turn from them. And most of all, on top of all that, are we prepared to pray? If we can do all of that, seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, 
humble ourselves and pray with all sincerity. Then God will keep his promises and will bless our land, us and our church. Why should we pray when God knows already what we're going to pray? Some people will ask. And a lady called Melanie Red has put some, uh, a great piece on the internet about, how, about that very question. And she gives six reasons why uh, we should pray. I just want to share those six reasons with you now. So the first reason we should pray is because we are God's children. And he loves to hear from us. God wants relationship with us and he wants to hear from us. And if you want a Bible verse to look up for that, it's Zephaniah 3, verse 17. Secondly, we pray because it deepens our trust in God. There's nothing better than answered prayers. I know certainly a couple of ladies who keep prayer diaries and they write down the prayers which they pray. And when they get an answer to that prayer, they tick it off. And every so often, about every six months or so, they go through their prayer diary and they're amazed by the number of ticks that they see in that prayer diary as God has answered the prayers which they've prayed in the past. So it's good to keep a prayer diary and it's good to record answered prayer. It's an encouragement to you and to your relationship with God and your trust in God because we need to trust God for our lives and for everything that's going on around us. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 is a Bible reference for that. Thirdly, we pray because it causes us to depend on God. There are so many things in our lives that we can't do in our own strength. So many things which we think, how on earth am I going to get through this? And prayer is a way in which we can do that. Most of you know, some of you I don't think do, so it's a good time to tell you that Walter, Margaret Moffitt's husband, has been diagnosed with a brain tumour. And uh, he's had several tests, and on this coming Friday, all the neurosurgeons in the area get together and look at the cases which they've got, and they're going to do that on Friday with Walter. They've done all the tests, they've got all the scan results and everything, and they're meeting on Friday to look for the way forward for Walter. We can't have any influence on that, but we can, because we can pray. And God hears prayer. And God answers prayer. So I would encourage you over the next week to remember Walter and Margaret in your prayers. So come Friday, when those neurosurgeons meet, they'll have God standing on their shoulder. And he'll be speaking into that meeting. And he'll be deciding what is best for Walter at that time. Fourthly, we pray because it gives us the chance to express ourselves completely to God. We can just open our hearts up and speak whatever is on our heart. Nothing that we say will ever shock God. Whatever it is, and however horrible you may think it is, and however bad you may think it is, God has heard it all before. And you will not shock God. So just open your heart up and express yourself totally and completely and honestly to God. And he will hear it and he will answer it. Psalm 62, verse 8, speaks of that. We also pray because our prayers move the heart of God. James 4, 2 is your reference for that. And we think of Moses, who prayed to God and said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere unless you come with me. 
because you promised to bring your people out of Israel, out of Egypt, and give them somewhere. And God got fed up at one point, you may remember, and said, I don't want to know anymore to an extent. And Moses got on his knees before God and said, God, there's no point in us going anywhere unless you come with us. So we can move the heart of God. We pray also because it's an amazing way that we can get involved with God, what God is already doing in the world. We have somebody come up here every Sunday and pray intercessory prayers for people and for the world and for world situations. That prayer is not just words coming out of somebody's mouth going into an empty void. Those intercessory prayers are prayers which are heard by God and answered by God. And if we put our amen to them, we're putting our corporate seal, if you like, on the prayer which is being prayed. So we can get involved in what God is doing in our world. We may not understand it, we may not understand what's going on in the world, but we can get involved in praying about it. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 is your reference for that one. And of course we pray because Jesus told us to. There are several references to Jesus talking about prayer and talking about us praying. The Lord's Prayer is an obvious example. The disciples went to Jesus and said, how do we pray? Uh, Jesus said, didn't say, you don't need to pray, go away, do something else, find something more important to do. He said, when you pray, pray this. And then the Lord's Prayer followed. So prayer is important to Jesus. And we can see from Jesus' life that prayer was important to him. Because whenever he was in trouble, whenever he had a problem, whenever he wanted guidance, he got on his knees and he prayed to God the Father in heaven. And he encourages us to do the same. Mother Teresa once said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. And it's so true. If we could fill this world with prayer, and if all the other churches around could start praying earnestly from the bottom of their hearts for our nation, for our world, then things would happen in the heavenlies, I'm sure. So today is a day when we're going to look at something which should be part of our everyday experience as Christians. It should be as natural to us as breathing. And yet, and I include myself in this, for many of us, we struggle in this modern world to find the time or the inclination to pray as we ought. I think if you were all totally honest and open, you would concur with that statement if you're able to say, no, I'm diligent in my prayer and I pray all the time and I pray at every opportunity, then bless you. I myself struggle from time to time, even finding space in one day to give five minutes to God, if I'm honest. There are other days when it's great, to be honest, as well, but there are days when I struggle. There are those of us who have a great passion for prayer and are great prayer warriors for individuals, for the church and for their own lives. And I salute those people. But I've met some of them and they confess as well that they do not pray as often as they ought to. Now, as often as you ought to is a, a word for interpretation. To me, they would be praying more than enough but in their own eyes they are still falling short of what God requires of them. But it's brilliant 
that they are there and that they do pray in that way. We're told many times in the Bible, as I've said, about how prayer is important in our relationship with God. In fact, without prayer, we do not really have any deep relationship with him at all. That well-known verse in Philippians tells us, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. That's Philippians 4 verse 6 from the Amplified Version. A pastor far cleverer than I once said, prayer is not the least we can do. I'm often told off by Lynn for saying, let's just pray. And hopefully I don't do it quite so often nowadays, because it's not meant in the way that comes out. But so often we can say, let's just pray. But prayer is not the least we can do. It is the most we can do. Prayer tears down our self-reliance and increases our reliance and confidence in God. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, I know whenever I have prayed earnestly that I have been amply heard and have obtained more than I prayed for. God indeed sometimes delays, but at last he comes. God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately. Sometimes we have to wait. We have to pray patiently and we have to pray persistently. But God always answers prayer. That's not quite as we would like him to sometimes, but he always answers prayer. I know Testimony Sunday is next week, but uh, I want, with your indulgence, to share a little bit of how God has worked in my life through prayer and brought me to where I am now, and also how he has brought NCF to where we are now. Uh, Someone once asked uh, a few weeks, possibly a few months ago now, how many of the original members of NCF were still here. I think about four or five of us put our hands up. So there's been a lot of change happening in NCF over the years, and you may not be aware of quite how God has brought this place to where it is now. So I want to share a little bit about that with you as well. We're also at a transition stage in the church at the moment, as you know, and John and I are working together to bring about a place where I can step back and John will step forward into uh, the senior role within the church. Seniors are not the best word for it because we don't have seniors and juniors. We have people who are working for God. But John will take on the majority role and I will step back. Not entirely, unless John wants me to, but uh, I will be stepping back over the next couple of years or so. And we want to work together with God to smoothly change that role, those roles over. One of the most critical times for churches is when ministers change. Uh, and it can bring about chaos within the church. We don't want that to happen here. We want to be a smooth transition, and we're both working very hard to make that happen. I want to look forward to what God has to bring through John's ministry, because John's ministry won't be the same as mine, because we're different individuals. We are that unique individual that God made us. And what I think might be a great idea, John will not think it's quite so good and equally the other way around but God knows what he's doing and John will bring some great ideas in to the church as he moves into that role I'm sure and to just share a little bit about Lynn and I's relationship first of all with NCF and we believe we came into NCF because of answered prayers it's going back a little bit now but uh, it was back in the late 1980s and we were going through a particularly difficult time in our lives 
Lynn had become a Christian in 1984 uh, when Ian Knox came to Manacourt Baptist Church. Some of you may remember it, and there was an evangelical campaign. And uh, I won't give her testimony of that now, but basically uh, she became a Christian at one of those uh, evangelical meetings that Ian Knox led. And at the same time, because God likes families to be united, I rededicated my life to God at that time as well, having spent some 20 years in the wilderness following my initial acceptance of Christ. As sometimes happens with new Christians, Lynn went through a fairly traumatic few years following her acceptance of Christ. And on top of that, we were both fairly traumatized and battered as we lost both of our mums within six weeks of each other. One of them was expected, as my mum had terminal cancer, but the other, Lynn's mum, was totally unexpected, and she had a massive heart attack all of a sudden. During that time, I can say there were many answered prayers and some amazing touches from God, as he didn't remove the difficulties we encountered, but walked with us through them. And we knew he was with us despite everything that was going on around us, Sometimes those circumstances can drive people away from God and they blame God for what's going on. Thankfully, in our case, it did the exact opposite. It drew us close to him and we were on our knees praying to him on a regular basis. And he answered our prayers in some amazing ways. Through uh, those circumstances, we had stopped attending church and hadn't been in church for about two or three years. But God brought into our lives a guy called Chris McDermott. He's the guy we go and see in Scotland now with his family of six children. And uh, Chris has been a very, had a very pivotal role in our life. He knew of our story and where we were and uh, how we weren't in church and whatever. And he felt that we ought to try a newly planted church called Nuneaton Christian Fellowship that he was attending. And we went along and uh, we were warmly welcomed there. And we had very graciously three questions that we really needed answers to from God following our traumatic times. Well, God was amazingly gracious to us. And the first three sermons that we heard in NCF addressed each of those three questions and brought us a real peace that he had not abandoned us and that this was the church he wanted us to be part of. We spent more time in tears during those first three uh, meetings than we did anything else. And it was amazing in the way in which God really confirmed that we were where he wanted us to be. In the years that followed, we grew in our relationship with God and with the fellowship in NCF. We saw God bless the church in many ways. A couple of standout examples from my perspective was the provision of a minibus to take our young people to Poland on a mission trip. Very complicated story there, but basically God provided. And God did it in his timing because this minibus was sitting around for weeks and months before we bought it. But it still stayed there and nobody bought it until we needed it. And the second one was a, following a prayer time of prayer and sacrificial giving. Our first building in Coton Road was provided. We had an amazing time raising the funds for that. And God's hand was on that without a doubt. And I can honestly say that over the years God has met all of our needs, both large and small, as we've tried our best to follow his plans and purpose, both as individuals and within NCF. And, he's, and we've lifted our needs to him in prayer. Was it all smooth sailing? I'd love to say it was. But in church life, as in our own lives, it is not all smooth sailing. And there have been occasions over the years when, as a leadership and a church, we've had to turn to God in prayer 
and ask him to show us the way once more as we have strayed a little from his path. And he, in his graciousness, has always answered those prayers, and we are now where we are today. I can say that around the year 2000, we had the not unpleasant problem that the building we were in was getting too small for the size of the congregation. We were in a little, um, what used to be a red cross building in Coton Road, next to the Catholic Church. And we really felt God wanted us to move into something bigger, so that he could continue to grow his church that was NCF. Again, it's a long story, but we spent a number of months in prayer as a church, and we actually visited several buildings around the town, testing to see if they were what God wanted, where what God wanted us to go. And we held morning services in some of them, and uh, one of them was a huge warehouse place, um, which we actually considered for a little while. And we, as I say, held morning services in some of them to see how we felt about the ambience in there. But somehow we knew that none of them was quite right and quite what we wanted. We became aware through various contacts that this building here was vacant and had been for many months following the unfortunate demise of the church that previously met here. We approached the remaining trustees and what followed was an amazing example of how God leads us to where he wants us to be. We'd got nowhere near the market value of the building to offer but offered what we had and to our surprise it was accepted by the trustees not only accepted, but they said, why don't you keep £10,000 of it to start your ministry on the estate? Which, considering the amount we were offering, was an amazing offer. We were over the moon, as you can imagine, and gave thanks to God for his amazing provision. But he wasn't finished yet. The trustees of the church that had previously owned it were going on an Alpha Holy Spirit weekend that weekend. And on the Monday, they telephoned us to ask for a further meeting. We, the trustees as we were then, or certainly I, thought, oh, oh, they've had second thoughts. They want some more money. But as it turned out, God had spoken to each of the trustees separately in their prayer times over the weekend. And when they got together at the end of it, they had all received the same message. God had said to them, I want you to give the building to NCF. And this was the reason for the second meeting. It was a hard offer to refuse and actually freed up cash resources to carry out vital maintenance work on the structure and to redecorate the entire building, including replacing the roof, which was leaking badly. It's no exaggeration when I say there were mushrooms growing out of the inside walls of some of the rooms, and it would have taken many months of fundraising and diversion of our attention to do this if God hadn't stepped in. Our vision when we moved in was to make it a place not only of worship, but also that reached out into the local community around us and served their needs as well. When we moved in, there was one group meeting once a fortnight. And so we prayed, and we prayed that God would help us to connect with groups that serve the community and that we could partner with it, making God's house available and giving us opportunity to witness to them for him. And God was not slow in answering our prayers. He had given us the building for a purpose. And we, having prayed long and hard, believed that outreach into the community was a real part of that purpose. An outlook group was established by the church for people on the estate to attend and find fellowship and hear about God. This, following the building of our new kitchen, where God answers, God's answers to prayers were numerous and amazing in the building of that and the fundraising for it. An outlook became the luncheon club that we see today. A vision was given to start a mums and tots group, and that has grown into Sunshine Corner, the evidence of which is smiling out at you over on the wall over there. And we regularly get between 35 and 40 
young children at that. What is affectionately called the Vickers Tea Party was started because Coniston Court, the block of flats next door to us, doesn't have a community room. And we went round to them and we said to them, would you like us to be your community room once a month? And they said yes. And so the Vickers Tea Party was started. And again, it's still going today and we regularly get between 25 and 30 coming along to that. It's flourished a bit since then and it's no longer just Coniston Court that come along to it. But that's how it all started in a small way. We also started our evening service as a result of prayer. We had people come to us and say, we don't like your morning service, it's too noisy. But we will come to an evening service if you were to have one that was a little more traditional. So we did. And God has honoured that. And again, that's still flourishing today. All of that was done from within the church, but we had a real vision to reach out into the community as well. And God brought to us a number of groups who indeed serve the local community in many and varied ways and different age groups. I'm sure if you've read the notices, you know that we have an Alzheimer's support group run by Age UK, a Rainbows, Brownies and Guides troop, Children's Sensory Group, a Women's Institute, Holiday and Social Group, who also raise funds for local charities, a Bereavement Group. And we have had other groups in over the years, but these have unfortunately stopped for various reasons but God has always brought along a group to replace them just at the right time I emphasize that God has brought them because our prayer and vision was that building would be used every day of the week and not just stand here empty God heard that prayer and I can honestly say that all the community groups that now use or have used the building in the past approached us we have never gone out and approached any group And it's always been, as I said, at the right time. Some of them, in fact, were looking for temporary accommodation when they came to us and were only going to stop a few weeks. And one of those groups uh, is still here about 10 years later. And all have stayed and all have remarked on the wonderfully warm sense of family and love that pervades this building. So that's a short history of how NCF has reached the point where we are today. And I truly believe that without prayer, none of this would have happened. Prayer is the bedrock of our faith. If we're not a praying people, how can we expect God to hear us and respond? If we're not a praying people, how different are we to any other group of people that meet together to socialise? Prayer is and should be part of our DNA as much as breathing is. I believe that God will continue to honour our prayer as we pray sincerely to him to reach out into the community through the various groups that meet here and he will continue to bring in new groups as they're needed. But I also believe that he has over the next few years a different vision for us to fulfill for him. I believe that John, as he was preaching a few months ago, was revealing part of that vision when he spoke about filling the empty chairs that are sitting there over in the corner. I believe that God wants to do that and that the new estates that are being built around us are a springboard into making that a reality. John and I have both had pictures in recent weeks of turning the church chairs around and opening the dividing curtain to accommodate the numbers coming in and even talk of a second service. God answers prayer, but we need to listen for his voice to show us how. Shortly we're going to praise God and pray together. 
And my prayer is this would be the start of a time when we pray and seek God's leading with sincere hearts and are bold enough to follow where he leads us and that we will see the fruit of those prayers in the coming weeks and months and years. We lost Billy Graham a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago now and he is quoted as saying the best form of prayer is praise and worship. I want us to spend the next period of time doing just that as we intersperse our prayers of praise and petition with worship through song. Uh, but before that, Yvonne has had a word with me before we started the service. And Yvonne was given a vision from God uh, a little while ago, but she believes it's pertinent for now, and she would just like to come and share that with us before we go into a time of prayer. I just felt that um, God wanted me to share this, and if I'm wrong, I know you all love me as I love you, so I know that you'll, you will forgive me. We can't always be right. But um, I, I strongly felt, and it, it does seem to be appropriate, so um, I'm trusting God that I've got this right. Um, some or oh, A few years ago, my mother's died now, but once a week, she and I would pray together and during one of these prayer times, we used to pray for this country and for Israel. And during one of these prayer times, God gave me a really powerful vision. And if you've ever watched something like a royal wedding, you will know there's always a commentator who explains what is happening, who everyone is, what they are wearing, and so on. Well, this is what it was like for me. I was the commentator speaking out the vision as it happened. And it wasn't easy as I was overcome with godly sorrow. I had to try and explain what I was seeing through my tears, and it was hard. My mother was so distressed as well. Afterwards, she told me that I was, when I was speaking, she could see and feel as I did. And this is what I saw, and I really believe it's a vision for the days we are in now, and it's never left me. I was able to write it down so clearly because it was so fresh. And I wrote it down right away because it, it um, knocked me back. I, I was at the back of a huge, glorious cathedral with a fair-sized congregation sitting in the pews, their eyes glued to the front of the church. At the altar, there were three priests dressed in sumptuous clothes with mitres on their heads, waving incense around. However, like the congregation, I only saw their backs. On the right-hand side of the building was a small wooden door. It opened, and a man dressed in sackcloth entered. Instantly, I knew it was Jesus. Slowly, he began to walk up and down every pew, tearfully calling each person to follow him. It broke my heart as I watched. Most ignored him. Their faces frozen, their eyes glued to the front of the church, their only interest the three priests ministering at the altar. By the time Jesus had walked up and down all the pews, he was at the back of the church with just a handful of people who had followed him. I watched as he walked slowly down the center aisle, followed by the few who had responded to his call. 
he turned right towards the small door he had entered through. As his hand reached out to open it, instantly his appearance changed. Gone the humble sackcloth, now he was glorious and awesome, shining with holy splendor. By this time I was struggling to keep going. I was in bits as I tried to explain what I was seeing. Jesus left the building, followed by his little flock, and the door closed. I then looked to the front of the church. The three priests turned around and faced the remaining congregation, and to my horror, it really did shock me, all three priests were skeletons. I then found myself looking down on the church from the outside, and I could see it was not a glorious building at all, but a ruin. It had no roof, the windows were broken, and everyone in it was dead. It is a vision that will never leave me, and I feel it is a warning to us all. God is calling his true followers out, calling them to follow him. The Christian walk is not about religiosity, tradition, and ceremony. It's about love, truth, and the lordship of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. The Bible speaks of remnants. Let us all pray that as we seek him and stay close to him, we will be part of that remnant. Thank you, Lord.